And uh, so I'm ready. I'm excited to get to speak to you. Um, and I want you guys to lean in. Lean in like, like it matters. Lean in like today is the difference between the rest of your life being the way it's supposed to be or not. And that's not to put anything on me. That's to put something on what God wants to do specifically in your life in this room this morning. And so uh, before I get into it, I'm, I'm preaching already, but I'm, I, I want to show you guys, uh, Tanner and I have been parents for six months almost now. Sawyer is going to be six months old next week, and he is 24 pounds, okay, um, which is insane. This dude is a beast. He's like, I know some of my friends who have like one-year-olds, and they're like, dude, my one-year-old is 28 pounds. So this is kind of crazy just seeing this dude grow, and he's getting his personality. He's all smiley. I, Tanner, she went, and uh, her sister, she had another kid, another boy. She has three boys, so I'll be praying for Tanner's family. Um, but she had her third boy, and Tanner went and was in the hospital with her. So I had my first instance of being alone with Sawyer. Um, and that's a trip, man. Like, Tan I, I could not do this without Tanner. We've talked a lot about this. If she wasn't in my life tomorrow, if some, you know, God forbid something happened, I'm moving back in with my parents. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm, I cannot do it alone. And especially with Tanner, like, she is such an amazing mom. I feel like it's so natural for her. God has gifted her so well. And so I'm blessed to have her with me. But when she's not with me, I'm a mess, okay? And, uh, we made it through. He, he's alive and well, and uh, thank God that she's back in town, and she's never allowed to leave again. Um, but I wanted to show you guys some. You haven't got to really, in, you know, interact with him that much, a lot of you, uh, just because of the times we're living in. It's so weird. So I want to show you. I think we have a video of uh, Sawyer that I want everybody to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was our afternoon, right, spent just laughing at the different colored rings, um, and it's awesome, right? I, I'm totally that dad, okay? I, I showed you right now, but I'm the guy, like, we have a whole photo album. Uh, I'm the one who's always, if I meet someone new, they have to want to see my son. How could you not want to see him? He's adorable. Like, they used to have that commercial, remember, about, like, awkward parents showing pictures and the dude like doing it in the urinal and he's like do you want to see my son and that's me dude like I don't care where we are I'm going to show you a picture or video of Sawyer because he's amazing but having him around has kind of like opened my eyes to remembering what it was like to be a kid obviously I don't remember what it was like to be like six months old but just seeing him in that video laughing at the rings right they're not funny he has a terrible sense of humor like it's it's just different colored rings, but to him, it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. And just the simplicity of a childlike perspective, right? And, and it made me start to think about how different the world was for me when I was a child, you know? I remember specifically 
stairs were like the coolest thing as a kid, okay? We lived in a one-story house, and so going to a friend's house who had two stories, like stairs for some reason, and there's some of you guys shaking your head relating, others are like, no, I don't get it. That's probably because you were privileged to live in a two-story household. Those of us in one-story households were like, if we went to a place that has stairs, bro, it was just better. I don't know why, because we were higher up or something, but I thought stairs were the best. Now, the offices at the church are upstairs every day, and I get to work, and I'm like, here we go again, right? Like, it's, it's not as fun as it used to be going upstairs. Um, you know, I think of, like, the things we used to eat as a kid. I thought McDonald's was a delicacy. Our parents, they didn't let us eat out very much, and so when we did get to go to McDonald's, it was a huge deal. It was the best thing I've ever ate. I will still say to this day, McDonald's french fries are unmatched. If you get McDonald's french fries hot, they're, they're unlike anything you've ever had. If they're just a little bit cold, they, it's like cardboard. But you get those things hot and fresh, it's, it's addictive. There's something about them. Let me switch the mic. When I was a kid, I would go to McDonald's and it was like the best thing that I had ever ate, right? Now, we ate out too much when we started, when I got a job, I, I, I started going to like drive-throughs all the time and it's just not as good. You need to split up McDonald's orders. Although Tanner, she'll eat it all day, every day. But uh, for me, I, it's not the same as it used to be. You know, I think of like, when I was a kid, manual labor was fun. How weird is that? Like, legitimately, Pastor Jim used to trick me into projects at the church. He'd give me like a dollar. He had, it was like Nike here. He had like child labor ring going on. Like he'd give me like no money, but he'd let me go and like break stuff or build, you know, dig stuff or build stuff. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Whenever Joey would come over to the house, what would we do, bro? Build a fort, right? That was like our go-to move. We, we didn't go play video games. We didn't watch movies. We got outside. I'm not trying to be that dude, you know, who's, I'm the youth pastor and I was talking to the youth about this. I don't want to be that guy who's like, back in my day, you know, like, but seriously, it was such a different perspective of the world. Our, our go-to move was to go outside and build a fort. We get the, the wood, we get the scraps, we get the trash, we get the cardboard, and we'd put something together and we thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, and we'd just sit in it, bro. Do you remember? We'd just sit in it. We'd like bring pillows in, we'd bring snacks in, and we'd just hang out there and just be like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. I bet we could live here, you know? And so we'd build forts at each other's house. When we'd go to Nathan Trent's house, the Trotter house, they let us use power tools. He was like, Commander Stacy was like, here's a nail gun, you know? Like, we usually just had to like dig and rest it against each other, but there's, that's where it got intense. I remember one time me and Joey were at our house and we didn't really have a lot to build with. And so we built this little like Eeyore looking tent that like it, it barely went over the both of us. And then we put leaves and dirt over it to camouflage it, right? And legit, me and Joey are just laying next to each other, dumb and dumber, just right there, just hanging out like this is pretty cool. I bet we could sleep out here. I think this is what the army is like, you know, just like we... We wanted to build. We thought, it, we thought it was fun to build something. Manual labor was enjoyable. Now, dude, I come home and Tanner has this new side table that she got from Ikea or Target and it needs to be put together. I'm like, you could have just told me you wanted to argue. You didn't have to get this. Like, you didn't have to go through all this. Like, manual labor is not the same in my eyes as it used to be, right? Like, I'd rather chill out. I'd rather hang out. Like, but building something... It used to be different. 
It used to be something I was drawn to. It used to be something I wanted to participate in. You know, me, me and my dad, we're not the most uh, construction-minded men, right? I think that the construction worker from the village people is probably better than we are at, <laughs> at building projects, you know? Um, but I mentioned this idea of building because it's actually what I want to talk about for a little bit this morning. I want to talk about building. I want to talk about what you're building with your life. I want to talk about the idea of building. I hopefully want to inspire a childlike awe and wonder about the idea of getting to build something because I think too many of us have lost that childlike perspective about what we're building with our lives and we look at it more as I do today as, oh my gosh, I have to do this. Are you kidding me? So I want to talk about what are you building and you know, the Bible actually talks about this idea of building. Jesus does in one of his most famous sermons, the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount is sort of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he's laying out the ideas in these five chapters, in five, three chapters where he's talking about what the kingdom of God looks like here on earth. He's kind of giving this epitome of what is happening, right? And he ends it in chapter 7 by talking about this idea of building. Jesus is talking about construction here. And I want to read to you the words of Jesus because I think they're important and the ideas can implement something important in our lives today. So Matthew 7, Jesus says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. So again, he's just got done going through this whole sermon with parables and examples and analogies of what he's here to do and what we are here to do in turn. And so he says this. Everyone who hears these words of mine that I have just spoken and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it didn't fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Now, this is a story you've probably heard before. This is a Sunday school classic. It even had a song about it, which I'm not going to sing because I'm not blessed with that ability. But even if you're newer to church, you've probably heard about this idea of the wise man and the foolish man built his house on the rock, built his house on the sand. Pastor Steve jumped the gun before we even got into this because it's just so, I mean, you can't sing that song without thinking of that story, right? And I've heard this story a lot growing up in church. And whether you've heard it before or this is the first time you're hearing it, I really want to lean into the fact that both of these men were builders. Right? I've heard this story a lot, but what really rang out to me as I was reading it this time is that both of these guys in this parable, right? This isn't talking about two real people. It's a parable. It's a story that's giving us a greater principle. It's not even talking about an actual house that they were built, right? It's telling us something deeper. We all understand that, correct? But what I really saw when I read this is they both were builders. They both built something. And so I want to talk to you today, and I have four questions, simple questions, that I want to ask you, and, and, and I want you to take notes. I want you to write them down. But I really want you to ask yourself these questions. Because I want us to evaluate what we're building. 
Because I want us to build something strong. Pastor Steve said it a lot. We're in a season of rebuilding. And so I want us to get a little bit intentional about this building project that we're in. You guys with me? So I got a few questions. The first one is this. What are you building? What are you building? Now look, before I go any deeper in this analogy of building, I want to be explicit about what I mean when I say building. I'm going to say building a lot in this message. I'm going to talk about what building, build, all that stuff. But before we go further in this, let's all make sure we're on the same page. When I say building, and what I believe Jesus is talking about in this parable isn't a, an actual construction project. It's not a real house. What you're building is who you're becoming. It's the decisions you make. It's the things you do, it's the thoughts you think, it's the places you go, the people you surround yourself with, the character you are developing is what you are building. Who you are becoming is what you are building. Who you are now is what you have already built. But as long as there is breath in your lungs and you wake up each morning, you are continuing the building process. You might not have known you were a construction worker, but you are, spiritually speaking. And I think it's important that we understand this. Because building isn't something that is negotiable. Whether you're in this room today and you're like, man, I'm really excited to hear what Pastor Steve has. Or Pastor Steve? Me. I'm Pastor Steve. Pastor Elliot has to say. Or you're like, I could care less. This applies to you. Whether you're like, I'm a Christian in this room. I, I, I love Jesus. Or you're like, I don't even believe in it. I think it's fake. This applies to you. Because it's not just the Christians who are building something. It's not just the wise men who are building something. The foolish man is building something as well. You don't get to opt out of the building project. You don't get to just say, I would rather just not build anything. The, the decision of indifference in building is to build something that's not worth building. Think about it like this. A hammer swung without intention is a dangerous weapon that's most likely used for destruction. I'm not trying to go around somebody just willy-nilly swinging their hammer around. That's, you're going to get your head busted. Not Sawyer, he's got the helmet, he's good. But I'm saying, like, you got to be careful with these people who are just indifferent about what it is they're building and the decisions that they're making and who they are becoming because they're not putting a lot of thought and intent into it. That's a dangerous person to be around, and that's a dangerous person to be. But a hammer swung with intent switches from being a weapon to a useful tool used for construction. The difference is a hammer. The difference isn't the hammer, it's the intent behind the user, right? Hammers don't kill people, people kill, I'm just kidding. Some of you guys are too excited about that part, but. But I really want you to get this this morning. And so today I'm gonna do something I don't usually do. I'm asking my brother-in-law, Josh, to come up here. Give it up for Josh. He's going to be a new dad pretty soon in June, Mabel June. You good? Okay, he's got it. I really want you guys to get this picture. And so what Josh is going to be doing is he's going to get intentional about the building process. What Josh has just done right now is he has decided he wants to be intentional about what he's building. He's not just letting life happen to him. Too many of us got to stop just being a spectator in life and decide that I'm going to be a builder. I'm sick of just getting to a place where, where I'm like, I don't like what I've become. I don't like what I built, but you built it. 
Too many of us, we, we get to a place where we're so caught up in going somewhere, going somewhere that we, did, we didn't ever stop to look at where it was we were going. And we end up in a place we don't want to be, but whose steps led us there? If you don't like what you've built, build different. And that's what I want us to decide to do this morning. That's what Josh is doing right now. Give it up for Josh. Josh has decided to be intentional about building. He's not going to be passive. He's getting focused. He's saying, I want to be a part of this process. And that's what I hope everybody does today. Get intentional about what you're building. And the truth of the matter is, Josh, you have everything you need to build what it is you're called to build in front of you. You have all the pieces, you have all the parts, you have all the tools, you have all the gifting. And spiritually speaking, what I want you to understand is as you get intentional about the building process in your own life, know that from the jump, you have everything you need. God has gifted it to you. God has created you with it. Psalm talks about you were, you were, you were intently woven in your mother's womb. He, he has created you with purpose and design to be who he created you to be and do what he created you to do. All the pieces are there. All the parts are there. All the tools are at your hand. But what a lot of us do is we take that and then we just get into it. Josh is just going at it right now. He's, trying, he's, he's laying it out. He's trying to get a plan together, right? But the truth of the matter is, Josh on his own may be able to make something out of what he's been given. But without certain pieces, he'll never create what was intended to be created. Too many of us aren't thinking about the building process. We just start doing it. And sometimes we even have good intention. Josh wants to make something great. But on his own, he won't create what was intended to be created. He may even make something awesome, right? I think of one of my favorite show of all times is The Office, right? And there's this Christmas episode where, where one of the characters, his name is Dwight, his secret Santa is giving him pieces of his gift to build, right? But Dwight, he's just a different type of dude. And so what the gift actually is, is a nutcracker, but he's putting it together as if it's a gun. And at one point in the show, he says, I think somebody, whoever my Santa is, you gave me an extra part to the gun. And everyone's like, you dummy. That's not a gun. But he made something cool out of the parts that it'd be, he'd been given, but it just wasn't what it was supposed to be. Think about this. How many people in culture today have taken the giftings and the tools and the talents and the abilities that God has innately put in them and made something amazing out of it, but just not what it was supposed to be? Look through Spotify. Turn on the TV. You can't tell me those people aren't gifted. You can't tell me those people aren't talented. And I believe that that comes from God. And they've made something amazing out of it. They've made a ton of money using it but the truth of the matter is if you aren't creating what is supposed to be built it's never going to be enough just because it's cool just because it catches the eye of other people you're not creating what was intended to be built it's never going to fulfill your soul i had a, a pastor tell it to me like this one time when i was when i was interning to become a youth pastor i was talking to him and i was telling him hey man I, like, and I was presenting my issues. You know how sometimes we present our problems in a way that, like, make us look good? You know, I just care. To, it's like when, when a, an interview happens and the, the interviewee is saying, like, what are your, your weaknesses? And it's like, I just care too much, right? It's like, okay, no. 
Your weakness is that you talk bad about people. But, hey, <laughs> but I was telling him that, and I'm kind of like, hey, listen, man, I, I just, like, I just want to do so much for God. I just want to, like, reach so many people, like, you know, and I, I mean, like, it's true, but he called me out. He said, bro, you're chasing a platform. You're, you're chasing a position. And he told me straight up, the truth of the matter is, you might have it in your own strength and abilities that God gave you to get yourself somewhere that you want to be. But if you're not doing what he called you to, and you're not walking in his will, it'll never be enough. Because what you could be called to do is be a librarian at some local school. To be a janitor who, who cleans the toilets but gets to, to interact with students every single day. And you get to speak to thousands of people, but you're missing out on what God created you for. You got to do what was created to be built. Like, this is Ikea stuff. And you know when you, you lay out all the Ikea stuff, it's like a mystery, you know? Figuring it out, it's a mystery. And, and this is what I love. Spiritually speaking, building, becoming... Creating what God has for you can be somewhat of a mystery, but God knows that. And this is how, how Paul put it in Ephesians 1. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Listen to this part. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven, and things on earth. God is a God that is for us, not against us. He's not the Riddler, right? He's not up there in heaven just being like, I hope they figured out, and if not, oh. He's, life isn't an escape room to be figured out. God is for you, right? He wants to reveal the mysteries of his will. He knows it's confusing. He knows it's difficult. And I'm going to get to this in a second, but that's kind of the point. That's how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be able to do it on your own. You may be able to create something awesome, but you're not going to be able to create what was supposed to be created until the mystery is revealed. But here's the issue. The way Josh might want the mystery to be revealed is for the Ikea fairy to pop up and say, Yoo-hoo, summer blow up. You know, like it's Swedish. See, it's probably Swedish. And saying, here's what you're supposed to do. And then you, and like, I'm going to stop with the Swedish accent because it will get... Like, it will become something that's not a real accent. But he wants, the, he wants the Ikea fairy to come up and say, Josh, what you're supposed to do is put this here and this part there and at this part. And, and how many of us, when we read verses like that in Ephesians, we want the mystery to be revealed in the same sort of way. God, reveal the mystery of your will for my life. That I want to know what you have for me. And then we look in the sky because we want the clouds to say the name of the woman we're supposed to marry. Or we want, like, to flip on the TV and the job that we're supposed to have is the job that the person, you know, like, like and this isn't to say that, that God can't work in whatever way he, he wants to work. But the truth is he has already revealed the mystery to you. He has already revealed the mystery to you. But it's not as glamorous as you might think. Because, yes, it might be nice if. Some mystical fairy just comes and tells Josh what he's supposed to do, but you know what's super beneficial to the building project? The instructions. The instructions. Josh, in that pamphlet is everything that you need to know about what you're building. What every part does, what every part goes to, and just... Just in case it's not clear enough, they got it in English and in Swedish, bro. Like, they got everything you need 
in front of you. But it does him no good if he doesn't read it. How powerful is an instruction pamphlet in a construction pro process? But how useless is it if it just sits next to you? How many of us, I want, you, all you Christians in the room, you know where I'm going with this. But how many of us sit confused, bewildered, angry even, that God's not speaking, that God's not revealing the mysteries, that God won't instruct us on the plan when the instruction pamphlet sits dusty on our desk? You want to know? You want to know? Sister Addie, it's not glamorous. It's nothing new. I'm not reinventing the wheel, but the word of God is still the word of God, and the truth that is in it is still more powerful than anything you've ever heard here on earth. And I'll say this. For me, for me to say that the Bible is an instruction pamphlet is to grossly oversimplify the power that is in this word. Because, yes, it's a map. Yes, it's an instruction pamphlet. Yes, it can be a playbook. Yes, it can be a guide of what you should and shouldn't do. But it's so much more than that. You can read books all throughout your life, but the Bible is the only book that when you open it, it reads you. It speaks to who you are as a person, what you're going through, the type of mother you are, the type of father you are, the type of coworker you are. It speaks to it. So many of us feel like God isn't speaking, but we're not listening. He's spoken. You want direction, open the instructions or stop complaining about it. Because as a pastor, I got to admit, I'm, I'm so sick of lost people complaining about how lost they are when they won't look at the map. Don't talk about not knowing how to build if you won't look at the instructions. Because, yes, we can meet, and I'm going to talk about some more stuff, but this is the most basic thing you could do. We don't get royalties from the Bible company. We continue to push you to, to get into it, to read it, get on your phone. If you don't have one, we'll get one for you because this will change your life. And this will help you to build something worth building, the instructions. You know what else most of these IKEA Target things come with? Not just the instructions. Usually they have an example. This is called a hymnies, a flufenflagen, right? It's a dresser, but they always got to make it complicated. Here you go, Josh. Right there is a picture of what this is supposed to look like when all is said and done. Because I, I love the instructions, but isn't it nice throughout the process to be able to have something to go back to? As you're doing it, as you're reading the instructions, just to make sure that you're reading them the way that they were written... Isn't it nice to have that picture, to have that example that you can look to and say, oh, this is what this is supposed to look like at the end of the day. All of what I'm build, building, I need to know what it should look like at the end. And spiritually speaking, let me tell you, you have a picture, you have an example, and his name is Jesus. Some of you guys might have thought I was going to give this, you know, new message with new truth. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm talking to you about things that we've known all along. When I was growing up, we used to have these bracelets that had four letters on them, WWJD. And it meant, what would Jesus do? And the point of it was to constantly, in our building process, go back to the example. 
What would Jesus do? What's, what's on the box? What is the picture? Oh, let me go back to what the picture looks like. I know I've read the instructions. I know what they say. But, but sometimes reading the instructions and living them out is a lot different, right? Jesus said those who hear my words, it's not just hearing the words that changes your life. It's doing them. That's how you're the wise man who built on the rock. It's not just hearing them. You could read all day long. You could, you could memorize the instruction and know every part. But unless you get into the process and do them, it means nothing. So it's nice in the doing to be able to go back to the picture. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do when he's laid off because of everything that's gone on? What would Jesus do when people are blocking him and unfollowing him on social media? What would Jesus do when his kids just won't listen? What would Jesus do when his marriage is on the brink of failure? What would Jesus do? What does the picture look like? Too many of us are building without the mystery being revealed. And unless we're building through the instructions and through the example, we're destined for failure. But you want to know the most powerful thing that we have? That I'm sorry, Josh, I have no example of how this relates to you and what you're doing physically, but spiritually. And what we can build is not just instruction and example, but empowerment. This is what blows my mind every time. God calls us to places that are outside of our ability. And it seems unfair. And it seems unreasonable. And it seems even cruel at times until you realize that was sort of the point. He wanted to get you past yourself to a place where you could not do on your own because he wanted you to rely on him. He's not calling you to have it all together, to have it all figured out. To be strong enough or good enough or funny enough or powerful enough, he's calling you to surrender. To lean in to your inadequacy. Because in our weakness, his strength is all the more evident. How crazy is that? That in our construction process, in our building process, we don't have to do it through our own strengths. Yes, the gifting's in you. Yes, the talent's in you. Yes, the ability and parts and pieces are there. Yeah, you got the instructions. Yeah, you got the example. But the ability to do it comes through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. There's no excuse. There's no excuse to not be building something worthwhile. You've got the instruction. You've got the empowerment. You've got the example of Jesus to follow. So what are you building? But here's the, the next question I have for you. Because Jesus not only is our example that we follow, he's the foundation that we build on. So I want to ask you, what are you building? But I also want to ask you, what are you building on? Luckily, Josh has started this process on a solid foundation. But imagine if he would have started on the stairs. He'd be dumb. But he may have been able to create something and figured out a way to get it there, but his foundation would have caused what he created to crumble. And here's what's so dangerous, and here's why it's so important to focus on foundation. Because you can build something good. You could build something with good intention. But if it's on the wrong foundation, it's going to crumble. You, 
A lot of us just think when it comes to building that it's just the, the important part of this message is to, to not just build something passively, to not just build, build something that's negative, to not just build something that you're going to regret. But no, that's not enough. Because here's the crazy part. Whether you're building something worthless or building something valuable, if the foundation is bad, both structures will crumble. Too many of us in this room are just content with building something with good intent. But the truth of the matter is our foundation is messed up. As Pastor Steve already hit a little bit, you talk to Jimmy, you talk to Terry, you talk to Joe. I've seen projects you guys have gone to. I wanna add a bathroom onto my house. Cool, I've got, I got the instructions, I've got the example, I've got all of the tools, I'm gonna do it for you. But you start, digging a little, and you realize, oh my gosh, this foundation is a mess. And I've heard some of the conversation you guys have had where you tell the person, I'm not, I'm not continuing this process until we fix the foundation because I could build you the greatest bathroom add-on you've ever had in your whole life, but it's worthless if the foundation that I build on is shaky because it's going to be a matter of time before I'm back, and I'm back, and I'm continuing the renovation. Too many of us have found out in 2020, that our foundation wasn't as solid as we thought. Because I think this is what we got to understand about Jesus. Jesus being the foundation of your life does not just look like adding Jesus into what you already do, right? Like getting Jesus into your routine, right? I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm a, I'm a friend, I'm a mentor, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm a Christian. Right? We, we take this label of Jesus as a part of who we already are. I like country music and, and Jesus Christ, right? Like whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like we just add it into what our identity is, but we don't understand is it's the foundation. It's not a part of the construction process. It's the foundation. Let me put it another way. Jesus isn't the missing piece of your puzzle. Bro, he's the table that you're building the puzzle on. Understand this. He is the epitome of who you are. Je entering into a relationship with Jesus isn't about going from, from bad to good. It's about going from death to life. The, the word of God says we were dead in the trespasses and sins we once watched. Apart from Jesus, we are walking around like zombies, spiritually dead. Building projects that are destined for failure. Some of us magnificent towers of success that we saw in 2020 crumble in a second because the foundation was how much we made the foundation was how many people we were influencing the foundation was our marriage the foundation was our friendships the foundation whatever some of those aren't bad things but they can't be your foundation there is no Elliot Bland apart from relationship with Jesus and I've seen this playing out recently. I, just the other week, I was with my tattoo artist. This is an example not everyone's going to like, but it's a good example. Your pastor has a tattoo. Pastor Jim's got a lower back one. But hey, that's a different story. He does not. He does not yet. Uh, no, but listen, this, this is because this, I saw this played out because we could talk about this in theory but I saw this played out I, I was with my tattoo artist 
And I've seen, I've seen this guy a lot. Some of you guys have seen, I have tattoos on my arm, right? And I've gotten to know this guy. You spend hours with a needle in your arm, right? Like, and so I've gotten to know this guy through the years. And we've had many conversations. And this time we were talking and he was telling me about his life and some of the struggles he was going through. And I saw, I think so, so often as followers of Christ, we think that witness and example looks like Jesus jukes, right? That's how we call it, a Jesus juke. You, you force it, right? Someone's talking about, man, me and my, my wife, we got lost. And it's like, well, brother, I've got the direction. And it's like, dude, nobody wants that. Like, you don't got to force it. But when Jesus is your foundation, you can't interact with people without them being able to understand that that's who you are. Because Jesus isn't a part of my life that I can leave at home. It's not like a mask you forget when you go in the store. I'm telling you, I am not who I am without Jesus. So I can't give this man advice about his life, about his future, about what's going on without being able to talk to him. Bro, I, I don't know if you believe in this or not, but God's changed my life. I, I, I can't give you marriage advice without saying my marriage would be a mess without Jesus as the foundation of our lives. I can't tell you about being a parent without saying Jesus is the foundation of who I am. We need to stop just letting Jesus be a part and understand that Jesus is the point. Because what's crazy about Matthew 7 is the storm's going to come. We know that, right? We know that now more than we usually do. We just got done with the full series of it. The storms come. And what's crazy about this story is if it was my theology that I created on my own, I would think that the storm would come to the foolish man who chose the bad foundation. He wanted beachfront property, yeah. But that means the winds and the waves, they're going to reach you. But me, I was smart. I, I picked a, a better spot. So I would think what's fair and what makes sense is that he has to face the storm, but I don't. But the truth of the matter is, regardless of what you're building and where you're building, the storm will find you. The same wind and the same rain and the same waves all hit both houses. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. And 2020 was a show of a storm. And a lot of us found our foundation shaken, but now is the time to rebuild and to rebuild well. And to not just say, I'm ignoring those structural issues anymore. I'm not gonna just keep building on a shaky foundation. I'm gonna gut the whole thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna restart the whole process. We're gonna start from the ground up because I'm gonna make sure that what we build lasts this time. That what we build is able to stand no matter what we face. What are you building on? What are you building on? The third question I wanna ask you is this. Who are you building with? These are simple questions. What are you building? Think about it. What are you building? What have you built and what are you building? What are you building on? Is it how cool you are, how clever you are? Is it the foundation of Jesus? And now who are you building with? Because this is an important part of the process. You know that community expedites construction? It does. This is why Jimmy has got a construction crew that he works with. I'm, I'm sure you could build a house, Jimmy. You're a great manly man. You, you got talent, you got skills. But dude, you know how long that would take? Longer than it already takes, which is pretty long. 
longer than you told me. I'm just kidding. I, like, I just have all these issues with construction. No, Jimmy's great. But I'm saying, man, you walk past the construction zone, it's not usually just one dude out there. It's a bunch of people sitting around. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we need to do this. But who are you building with? Because think about this. Some of your construction projects are taking longer because of who you've decided to build with. You know, Josh, I see what you're building. This is kind of flimsy. I mean, I think it's stupid you're even doing this in the first place. Like, I don't know why you would do this. It's not level. I mean, did you mean to make it this way? Was it supposed to be backwards? Like, uh... Also, did you notice that that dude over there, they're building the same thing you're building, but they're way further along than you are? Like, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I just wanted to point it out to you. Also, that's the picture? That's what it's supposed to look like? This doesn't look like the picture. This is, it doesn't. You don't look like the picture. That's who you're supposed to look like? That's what a Christian is supposed to be? You're not at... Who are you building with? Who are you listening to? Proverbs 18 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Too many of us are being influenced and allowing our process to be influenced by voices that don't have our best interests in mind. Too many of you guys are so frustrated by the fact that people are like, how many of you heard this? I thought a Christian was supposed to be like this. I thought a Christian was supposed to be like that. This does not look like the dresser that I saw on the picture. But the reason is, is because it's still being built. Jesus is my example that I follow, but I don't look fully like him yet. Because I'm still in the building process. What voices are you listening to? What voices are you speaking? Because some of you guys need to limit the voices you're listening to, but too many of you are like, man, I'm sick of these people talking and doing that. But your words are being used for death as well. The power of death and life are in the, in the tongue. Not, there's no option C. The power of death, life, and neutrality. This means that every time you speak, it's either being used to produce life or death. That's heavy. Think about it. What are you speaking over people? Because sometimes I might not even be trying to be mean to Josh, but I'm being negative. My words are tearing him down. Dude, this is, it does not look good, man. Let me just share an article with you. Come on, somebody. What are our words doing? What are our words saying? Are you building up or are you tearing down? Because it's a rebuilding season. And it starts with our words, but it's not just our words. Because we're not called to be cheerleaders. We're called to be builders. And I want to build you up in my words. Yes, I want to cheer you on. Man, you got it, bro. You're, look how far you've come, dude. The pieces were just on the ground at first. But through the instruction, through the example, through the empowerment, look at what you've created. You should have been addicted and dead on the street somewhere. But look at what your life looks like now, man. You are a pastor. You are a preacher. You are a man of God who's influenced people. I will speak life over you and talk about the, the, the things I see in you. And that's great. But it's another thing to roll up your sleeves and say, I'm going to build alongside of you. Tommy, come on up here. It's one thing to cheer him on 
and to say, you got this, bro. I believe in you, man. But it's another thing as brothers and sisters to build something together because community expedites construction. And we are called to build one another up. First Thessalonians says it like this, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having on the, the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet uh, of hope of salvation for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ um, who, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, here's the part, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And this is what's so amazing about this. Not only is this process going to benefit Josh and what he's building, it's going to help us in what we're building together. Because do you know that the Bible describes us as the body of Christ? We're not just a, a community gathering. We are a living organism who need each other. Stop letting your insecurity take the driver's seat. Stop letting your pride be in control. Because here's what's so beautiful about this. Josh has got the hammer, but Tommy's got the drill. God's created us differently and unique on purpose. And you know how I said that everything you need to build what God created you to build is, is in you and with you? It is. But it's not the same toolbox that I got. And that is on purpose because we come together as a community. And your strength speaks to my weakness. And I need you with me helping to build me up. But not just me up, building up the church. We are in a season of rebuilding. And too many of us are just sitting and watching. God doesn't call us to be attenders, to be spectators, to be cheerleaders. He's called us to be builders. La Palma Christian Center, now is the time. We've come through the storm. We've seen the foundation. We've seen the destruction. Now is the time to roll up our sleeves and say, I'm going to rebuild together because I need you with me. Because I can't do this on my own. You need me with you. And we all need this together. Because what if we are the example that the world looks to? I'm telling you. I, I encourage you. Invite people. Invite people. Invite people. Do it. But I promise you, if we start to look like this, a community that's focused on building one another up instead of tearing one another down, and not just each other, but everyone, and we can stand alongside of each other. I look in the back, and, and we talk about this example all the time, but I look at my best friend Joey, who's a, uh, an officer, and I look at Lloyd, who's a community engager. He, he works at a school, a, a white police officer, a, a black man, brothers. You can't tear them apart, but the world says you shouldn't be sitting next to each other. The world says you should hate one another. The world says this isn't gonna work, but this is what's so beautiful about the church is we come with our different perspectives, we come with our different hurts, we come with our different pains, but we also come with our different tools and our different abilities, and we build something together. You need me, and I need you, so let's be committed to building. Let's build. And the last question I wanna ask as the band comes up, are you protecting what you're building? What are you building? Think about it. What are you building on? Because if your foundation is messed up, the construction process is destined to fail. Who are you building with? Be intentional about your community. Be a part of the community. But are you protecting what you've built and what you're building? Because here's what I know. Construction, it catches the enemy 
It catches the attention of the enemy. Construction catches the attention of the prince of destruction. John 10.10, it says, the job description of the enemy, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When you decide to get intentional about the building process and you put on that orange construction vest in the hat, it might as well have a target on the back. The enemy wants you passive. The enemy wants you willy-nilly waving a hammer around because then his destruction process doesn't even have to work very hard. But when we start to get intentional, say, no, I'm thinking about what I'm building. I'm thinking about the, the father I'm becoming, the husband I'm becoming, the, the man and God of I'm becoming. I, I'm thinking about it. And not only am I thinking about it, I'm building on the right foundation because I know that storms are going to come. And I'm not going to let that discourage me. I'm going to let that empower me. And, and I'm going to be focused throughout this whole process. And not only that, I'm around people. I'm building with others because this is isn't going to take as long as it has to on my own. I'm going to build with people who have my back and who I have theirs. But I promise you, it will catch the attention of the enemy. But I love in the Old Testament, it talks in Nehemiah about a construction process, a construction site. Nehemiah, he says, I want to go back to Jerusalem and I want to rebuild the wall. I want to, he asked the king, can I go and rebuild the wall? And he says, yeah, because that's our home. That's what God called us to. That's what we were destined for. So he gets a crew together and he starts rebuilding the wall. And almost immediately, the other opposing empires, they're like, I don't like that. I don't like them walking in their purpose. I don't, I don't like them walking in their destiny. They're going to be a problem. If that wall gets rebuilt, they're going to be a problem. And so here's what happens. They start trying to attack. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, 15, it says this. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mails. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. This is the part that I love. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and his weapon in the other hand. In, in other words, to say this, excuse me, those people, they were holding the hammer, they were holding the drill, they didn't stop working, but they had the hammer in one hand and they had the sword in the other. I bring to your attention that there will be attacks on your construction, not to make you scared, but to make you prepared, not to make you afraid, but to make you aware, because here's the beautiful thing. Know that the enemy wants to tear down what you're building, but he doesn't have the power to do it. Jimmy, the city didn't give him the papers to do it. You got the green light, go ahead with it. Keep listening to what the Holy Spirit has called you to do. Don't walk in fear, but be prepared for the attacks of the enemy. Because John 10, 10 says, yes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that is not the end of that verse. It goes on to say, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. The God that is for us is greater than the enemy that is against us. There is no reason to not build something amazing. No reason. Because the enemy can't tear it down. Because you don't have to do it alone. Because you know what your foundation is. 
and it will stand sure in a world that, that's so focused on lies. Isn't it time to have some truth to stand on? What are you building? What are you building? Because at the end of the day, you want to be able to look at it and say, man, this looks a lot like the picture. Maybe took a little longer than I thought. There were some storms that came along the way. There were times where I had to have my hammer in one hand and the sword in the other. But at the end of the day, at the end of the journey, I want to be able to say I built something that looks a lot like the picture. Through the strength and the power of God in me. And so this morning, Pastor Steve's kind of already addressed this, but with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you, what are you building? Evaluate your decisions, evaluate your choices, evaluate your circumstances, the places that you find yourself in. Do you like what you've built? Are you building what you were supposed to build? What's the foundation that you're building on? The most important thing you can think about today. Don't let Jesus just be a part of it. He's the point. He's the answer that you've been looking for. He's the fulfillment that nothing else on this world can bring. No substance, no relationship, no job promotion. Who are you building with? Why is it taking so long? Maybe you got some people in your construction site that don't need to be there. Are you participating in what we're doing as a community, as a church? Because guess what? We need the tools in your belt. We need your hands. We need you to join in what's happening. So if there's anybody here who would say today is the day. I know we asked this earlier, but I want to ask it again. Today is your day. You're ready to start building. In whatever context that means, maybe some of you, what you need to do is, is, is lay the foundation. You need to make that, 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 that first decision of surrender, of saying, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this without you. Maybe some of you, you just need to, to recommit or refocus or you need to, to reevaluate who it is you're building with. Whatever part of today's message spoke to you, if you would say, yes, I'm ready to start building, I would ask that you would just raise your hand. Just lift your hand. If you would say, I'm ready to build. I got my sleeves rolled up. I don't care what's happening. I'm ready to build. Awesome. You can put your hands down. I want everyone looking at me. Because we're going to pray, and, and I'm going to invite everybody who's watching to have a great day in a second, and we're going to sing. But I do want to say this. A big part of the way that we build something together is what Pastor Steve just talked about earlier. Because not only are we just a, 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 a you know, zone that's like wanting to encourage you and be like, yeah, build, it's going to be great. We got strategy. We got some blueprints. You want to know how we're going to rebuild as a community? There's things you need to do as individuals, yes. But as a community, the strategy for rebuilding comes through what he talked about on family night. Hebrews says it like this. In Hebrews 10, it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another, or some versions say build one another, one another up to love and good works. This is the part that I really want to challenge you with. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, building one another up, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me tell you, the day is drawing near. Don't get in the habit of not meeting together. We're doing family night, not because we don't have better things to do, not just to add something to your schedule, because we want to get intentional about what we're building. So don't miss out on it. If you consider this your home, change your plans. Figure something out, because you don't want to miss out on what is happening here, because we are building something that the world needs. So let me pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are and all that you do in our lives. I thank you that you have called us to build. I thank you that you have empowered us to build. Holy Spirit, right now, if everyone, you just lift your hands. I pray that you would empower the people in this room. It's not in our strength or in our might, but through your power, Jesus. Empower us to build what you've called us to build, to be who you've called us to be. God, lay the foundation that no storm can shake. Be the cornerstone to our building project. God, let us be a community that builds together and protect us against the attacks of the enemy because he is going to be intimidated by what La Palma Christian Center is building, by what the community sees when they drive by, by the example that is set through our love for one another. He is going to want to tear it down, but guess what? He doesn't have the power to do it, so protect us now, Jesus, for what you have prepared for us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.